those people who don't have transportation have really, really hard time finding good jobs because the jobs that they actually can get to, they need transportation to get that. Even if they do have transportation, it's not affordable and it's not reliable, especially in those demographics. What we want to do is kind of find a way to connect people to those other modes of mobility as well, where it can be a seamless process and make it more affordable. So what we do is we connect them to public transportation all in a seamless process. Is this your first time pitching We Move to investors? Yes, it is. This is my first time pitching We Move to investors. I've done a lot of the work myself to get to this point. With investors, they can bring in more of a seasoned strategy how to develop a company like myself. I have the gist of understanding logistics of how to move thousands of people at one time. Nice. So what are you looking to accomplish today? I'm hoping I can get an investor to be a part of what we're trying to do and and say, hey, let's do this together and let's take this business to a billion dollar operation. Dante Evans has been in the transportation industry for 32 years, many of those driving a bus, and he sees a problem. People in rural communities don't have access to transportation that many of us in more urban areas take for granted. There aren't as many bus routes, Ride shares aren't as available, and it's not always easy to get to work or go to the mall or even to buy groceries. Dante thinks he's come up with the solution, a transportation app called We Move that will incorporate all modes of transportation, ride shares, buses, trains, and even how far you want to walk or ride your bike to find the best way for a user to get to where they need to go. But as Dante said, this is the first time he's pitched for capital. So can he explain the vision for his company well enough so that investors want to take a ride with him? Here's who he's looking to impress. My name is Donald Thompson, CEO of WalkWest and Angel Investor. Donald Thompson invests in anything he's passionate about, whether that's the idea or the entrepreneur and where he can be helpful in being a mentor as well. Hi, I'm Robbie Hardy. I'm founder and chair of Excel Ventures. Robbie is a champion of the women's entrepreneurship movement, and her venture fund focuses exclusively on debt deals to female founders. Hey, I'm Tim McLaughlin. I'm a partner at Co-Founders Capital. Co-Founders Capital has raised $43 million to invest in North Carolina companies. Hello, I'm Keith Daniel. I'm co-founder and general partner of Resilient Ventures. Resilient Ventures invests in early-stage African-American founders. I'm your host, Sharon Delaney McLeod, and you're listening to the Startup Stage podcast, where underrepresented entrepreneurs can share their dreams with angel investors, venture capitalists, and you. This is season one, and we're in the triangle of North Carolina, a place where colleges and tech form a vibrant startup community. These episodes were recorded in late February, right before the world changed due to COVID-19. At the end of this season, we'll explore what's happened to these companies since the recordings and since the launch of this podcast. Did they get the investment they were looking for? Did other investors contact them after listening to this show? Has the worldwide pandemic affected their chances of getting funding? All right, let's get to Dante Evans from We Move on episode six of the Startup Stage podcast. My name is Dante Evans. My company's name is We Move. As I started this business, I looked at areas like Smithfield, North Carolina, and Johnston County. 
and found that there was a problem with people getting to and from different locations from a rural area to urbanized areas. And what, what we were trying to do is find a way to get people that they can actually find jobs and things of that nature. It's a public transit app that combines ride hailing technology with inner city bus service to help underserved rural communities that face enormous transportation challenges connect to all modes of mobility throughout the state of North Carolina. And right now, there are 39.8% of the people in North Carolina live in rural communities. The national average is 21%. So it's double that. What we were trying to do at this point in time is help people find a way to connect to those urbanized areas where they can find jobs and things of that nature. The problem that exists in rural communities that are underserved and there's no public transportation that's facilitating and helping those areas be able to connect to jobs. So we came up with an actual idea that we're going to be able to solve those problems for those individuals and those people. Great. Dante, how much money are you looking to raise for this? Uh, Well, we're looking to raise about $150,000 for 10% equity in the company. So do you already have this? technology? or Well, I'm working on building the technology now. I'm actually providing services in these rural communities now, providing transportation for hotels and actually not only just the hotels, but places like Griffles and things of that nature. They're all trying to sign up to provide services for them. They're building another plant or wing of the plant that's going to bring about 1,600 more jobs. So we have those type of NC Works is wanting to partner up with us as well. We're providing no services to them. We have about 34 hotels right now who wants to sign up to provide transportation services for them. So we have an abundance of work, and it's not like this is just an ambitious dream. I've been actually doing the work. So I'm, I'm confused. I may be slow. So you providing, you're providing the, the physical transportation? At this point, yes. Okay. We're providing the physical transportation so at this what, point how does time. that What does that look like today? Well, right now, somebody will give me a call and say, hey, I need to get a pickup to go from the North Carolina premium outlets to Durham, North Carolina. Then we facilitate transportation for them to do that. So you have the vehicles or you... We have the vehicles and we have partner networks to actually provide those services as well. So that means that I can engage other mobility operators to provide those services when I have to have those needs fulfilled. So you're making some revenue now, or you're making some yes, money we are. paying? Yes, yes we're know. making revenue now based on just a phone call setting up transportation. In order for me to expand that reach, you need to be, Uberize it, we so need to the speak. Uber type of solution because there's no way in those rural communities that you can have fixed transportation solutions. So what we want to do is expand on that. I have right now I have 175 drivers who signed up in Johnston County. I have almost... 200 and something old companies who are looking to actually sign up because there is no transportation. Johnston County is one of the counties, rural counties and 80 counties in North Carolina that don't have public transportation. It's 0% public transportation. There's no way to get people back and forth. So they've been looking for a solution. I just had a meeting with Johnston County Community College. They want to actually provide their students transportation solutions because they're losing students to Wake Tech because they don't actually have transportation as well. Talk me through a use case in the future, not the way okay. it is today, but okay. what you want from a user perspective, a commuter perspective, yes, and from a driver perspective. So okay. take, take me through those two use cases. So the, the first thing I want, I want an actual user to look at the application and say, what is going to be the, 
the lowest cost denominator for me to get from here to an urban area. So they'll have it, it'll, it'll be on their phone it and they can look and says, I can go here to a bus station or here. to Yes. Okay. Yes. So they would actually Train. look at that actual phone and say, well, for me to go 45, it's going to take me 45 minutes to get to this location. It's going to cost $8 and 25 cents for me to do that. How can I connect to the bus? So we'll allow them to actually get a ride share, be able to connect to Go Raleigh, which is a cheaper solution, but they can pay for both transactions all at the same time. Okay. They can pay for their Go Raleigh ticket and their ride share ticket all at the same time, creating a seamless process for them to actually do that. My guess is that the reason people aren't using ride sharing today to get from Smithfield to Raleigh is because of cost. Because so, it, absolutely right. So would this would this be a like a community ride share? So you would say you know there's a there's a ride share option leaving at X time, seven a.m. in the morning, in order to get you to this bus by. No, what, what we do is we're going to deploy enough drivers in those areas. That's why I signed up enough drivers to facilitate that, right? So, so it's one person. So it's like it's a, someone, someone in a car by themselves. Yeah, one somebody can be in a car because they're buying an actual seat at that particular time. So why wouldn't Uber solve that problem? Because there's no because there's no Uber drivers in Smithfield? But there's not enough Uber drivers in Smithfield, right? So Uber is concentrating on the Raleigh market. Right. Mm-hmm. They don't see what I actually see in terms of the vision of where the rural community is actually going. Right. Those people that they're not actually paying attention to, they still work in those communities where Raleigh is. That's why I actually focusing in on the rural community. Right. I'm going to just dig one layer deeper. So I have a 45 minute drive right mm-hmm. to the bus stop that I need to get to. Yes. Right. Somebody's going to take me to that location. Yes. So that is that person's, that is an hour and a half maybe of that person's time or 45 minutes and get another ride back for 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Okay. How are you going to do it in a more cost effective way? Right. That's more appealing to the people in Smithfield. Because what they would normally not be able to do is connect to that mobility. Right. Because what will happen is, in our application, it will develop an opportunity to let them know what time the bus is going to actually be there. See, they will be guessing any other time, right? If they would actually get a ride in Uber right now to go to the bus stop, mm-hmm. they would just go there to hope that the bus was there when it get dropped off. With our application, it would allow them to see the actual bus coming at a particular time. It'll tell them to be there by 2 o'clock when they can actually take the actual ride at one fifteen to get there by 2 o'clock. So that would be the actual difference, how they connect. So, so even if they're paying the same price that they would have to pay for a regular ride sharing, they're getting more information. Absolutely. They're getting more information. They get, not only are they getting more information, but they are, it, it allows them to be able to see the whole transaction and that actual cost of connecting as well. Yeah. Why wouldn't there be ride share? Is that just not a... I mean, I would think it would also need to be cost effective, too. I mean, they live in the rural area for, I mean, some people live there because they want the space, but a lot of people live there because it's less expensive. So mm-hmm. they want to keep their costs down. Mm-hmm. So to pay for somebody to show for me is more expensive than if I share with these guys and we're all going the same place and it may be a little bit off. Well, it, it's, a, it's a little different because if, if somebody <laughs> works in Clayton and the other person works in Garner. Oh, yeah, no, that, it has to be. I mean, they have to be going to the same bus They have stop to be going to the same the place. the same place, right. But- what you're talking about is more like a, a carpooling type of solution. That happens as well, because what will happen is we'll have groups of people that's going to sign up and say, I need to go to Griffles and all of us get picked up at the North Carolina Premium Outlet at 8 a.m. So we can be there by 8.45 p.m. So those actual options are available as well. So those people will ride together. Yes, those people okay. will ride together. Yes, ma'am. 
when the rural areas, what's the GPS like so that people can, so that these drivers can actually find these homes? The GPS has been working pretty good with what we put in place. But what we have found is that we need to have an actual 1-800 number as well. We got to have a 1-800 number for them to actual call. What we're going to do is ensure that there's a round the clock communication that people can actually call for. The difference between us and Uber is that we're going to use our rideshare service as a gateway to purchase other things, right? So if you're a person that wants to go to the Chapel Hill game and watch UNC play Duke. Get beat, sorry, yeah. <laughs> Easy now, Robbie. Easy now, Robbie. I live in Chapel Hill. Okay. I live so, in Chapel Hill. <laughs> so in, I'm in the right color blue. I got yeah. it. Okay, we so just, UNC play. Not a good year, but anyway, go ahead. UNC's playing Duke, but you're actually using a rideshare to get there. At this point in time, there should be no reason for you to actually go somewhere else to get those tickets. In our application, you're going to be able uh-huh. to hire your ride share and get your two tickets at the same time. Eventually, what we want to do is be able to, you go on, on a trip and you want to get to Amtrak, you should be able to take our ride share, purchase your Amtrak ticket and your actual ride share ticket all at the same time. Okay, so, so you have this whole solution. Yes, so this is thing that we want to kind of, work our way into and then have this as a purchasing power to create multiple revenue streams in the application where we're not just the transportation piece is going to be the center of everything. And if that falls apart, nothing else is working. We want to be able to have people say, I'm going <coughs> to, once I punch in, I'm going to come to this actual tower to get something to eat. At the same time, you should be able to book your reservation in that application while you're taking your ride as well. So we want to create a complete a multimodal transit service. Let's take a break. Coming up, Dante gets a lot of advice from the investors on next steps for the business. Will this advice include some capital as well? Before we hear more from We Move, let's talk about We Work. While many are asking the question around what the workplace will look like in the coming months, WeWork is actively working toward a solution. The design and operations of WeWork spaces will completely reimagine the work environment, focusing on your health, safety, and peace of mind with new cleaning standards and operating procedures to keep spaces clean and your health a priority. This will be reimagined design standard to keep members at a safe distance from each other in common areas. Day-to-day operations of running your business have drastically changed, but WeWork is dedicated to providing its members and the greater community with resources that support your business during this unprecedented time. Visit WeWork.com to learn about the company's response to COVID-19 and how they're helping businesses of all sizes navigate the future workplace. Okay, back to Dante's pitch. Can you describe to me your team structure currently right now? What's your kind of long-term vision for um, Well, right now, to be, to be totally honest, I'm the one that's kind of manning the ship. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is basically at the whim of, hey, what do we do today, Dante, type of thing. I don't have any partners involved in the concept at this point in time. Mm-hmm. I'm bootstrapping where I'm at financially. That's good. Well, that's good. Bootstrapping yeah, but, is good. But I have the evidence to support what it is that I'm actually doing at this point in time. I've been working for the last 32 years in the transportation industry. I currently provide transportation services for the downtown Sheraton and downtown Raleigh, the Holiday Inn, a bunch of bed and breakfast. And I actually just signed up the North Carolina Premium Outlets that's owned by the Simon Group, 
who actually own a lot of malls and things of that nature, they're going to announce next week that they're going to actually use WeMove to provide transportation for all their actual tenants, their employees, and then also offer same-day delivery services for stores like the Nike Outlet, Adidas, mm-hmm. and things of that nature to provide awesome. those services. We have, so, we have that recorded, whatever you just said, and that's no, how you need to lead and introduce yourself. Just like yes. that. I've oh. been in the transportation industry for 32 years. Look at the contracts that I have. This is what I've been able to do, and this is why I'm the person to pull off I got this, you. this next stage I got in my you. vision. Yeah. Because you. You're, you see this whole other, this underrepresented community, population yes, that no one else is paying attention to. Yes, ma'am. And is assuming they'll figure it out. And what I'm looking at is eventually we're going to actually put a stranglehold around those communities. By the time they come in, there's no way for them to break into the actual market. And I think that we will beat every ride share company because we're going to be offering other things and having opportunities they're not going to have. Yeah. So you're, so the money is to be trying to build up the software. Yes. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Dante, I just, I met with an entrepreneur yesterday and I gave him this almost exact feedback and what I think you need to do. So you, you've proven out a lot of, you know, different models with the hotels, with the different groups. You need to prove out this model in a non-scalable, non-technology backed way in one geography. So let's take Smithfield for an example. You say I have 175 drivers, my 175 driver network in a town of this size leads to this many rides per month, which leads to this much revenue, which leads to this much, you know, value savings from the from the consumers too. So you have to show that you can provide value to the drivers. You have to be able to provide value to the riders. And then you have to be able to have a margin that's enticing enough to investors. And if you take that one use case and you can say, now here are my next 40 communities that I want to go after and replicate this exact model that is running like this, then you build the technology, then you get the investment, and then you scale this out. And you're doing something that the public, the the government, hasn't been able to solve in those Mm -hmm. cities, which is a great opportunity for a private company to come in and and execute on that plan. But I think if you could walk through those metrics and how to build uh, one community and then show how I can replicate this in 50, now you got a company, right? Now you got a venture-backable, investable company. I got you. Yep. My, my feedback, I'm, and I'm a, I'm a fan, one of the things that we're doing at, at Walk West is we're going to help refine his pitch deck and really help him look oh, at so it and, already, and analyze it. So I, I know him a little bit, so to disclose that. Awesome. Because I think there's a there's a diamond in the rough, but the story has to be front-loaded, like you, the advice mm-hmm. that you guys gave. So I'm in, not so much from ready to invest, but ready to help you get ready to be investable. Yeah. Right? Well, and, that's huge. I mean, commit, exactly, that's where he's at. To really, to that's really what do that. Saying, Robbie. The, okay. The question that I have, right, that I don't know, is tell me a little bit about the revenue that you're currently making in any of the businesses, right? Because I I just want to understand where you're able to make money now and why you believe. Yeah, right now I'm doing probably about maybe about eight grand a month in uh, transportation uh, services at this point in time. Out of that eight thousand a month, I'm probably looking at maybe forty percent. 46% 46% of that money comes to me, right? And that's because I don't have a lot of overhead. Mm-hmm. What I do is the administrative side and set it all up, right? So I think that's the great part about the service as well. There's some lean parts and it's a little fat in there as well. But the most lean part for me is I've been doing all this over my phone for years. What I want to do is be able to in- create some infrastructure where I'm not working on the phone anymore, right? right. And that's where I want to be. 
But you want your users to be using the phone. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Who actually be on the phone three hours a day working using apps. So I want to be going in that direction. Have you have you talked to any folks on the government side about any incentives and or funding that they can provide to solve this problem? The rural economic engine of North Carolina mm-hmm. is real. Yes. And so there's a lot of legislators that providing these kind of services, right, Everybody's election motivated, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. economic development motivated. But have you talked to anybody in government? Yeah, I've, about I've talked supporting? to I've talked to um, the North Carolina Department of Transportation and had a meeting with all of their actual top people about what that would look like for privatized companies to help facilitate transportation solutions. I went over their strategy model of what they look like in terms of connecting mobility where people can be connected from different parts of the state. The problem is when you're a privatized company, you have to kind of be attached to something that somebody is asking for a grant for a reason, right? So if somebody says, we got a grant for rural communities, that money is going to actually go to nonprofits that that a local government need the money for. So me coming in as a new company, say, I need you to pull some resources or money from that actual grant to give it to me, when they're giving it to a company like JCATS, who's more of a Medicaid-type solution that doesn't really solve the problem, but they've been doing it for the last 30 years. So my communication is about how do you actually get those grants from those individuals? Right. What's the mechanism? Right. Right. So, there, so the one point I'll make, and then I'll, I'll yield the floor, is you're, you need insight on the mechanism, but the money is there. Yes. Right. Because people people are trying to solve that transportation problem to create linkages between rural North, North Carolina and the big city. Yes. Right. Like that's a like that's a major stated goal. Getting change is hard. Yes. I think I think I think getting the right metrics in place and tracking them over the next 60, 90 days, six months, whatever it is to prove out the Smithfield problem and what you're solving and then identify the next, even if it's just 10 locations in North Carolina and go back and say, I've been able to solve this problem with text messages, phone calls, my network that I've been able to create. Yes. Imagine if we did this at scale and I could replicate this in 10 locations. What impact would that have on economic development in North Carolina? Yeah, absolutely. You, you do that, people are going to pay attention and, yeah, and be willing be, to shell yeah. that grant money. I got you. You'll be beating them away, yeah. Yeah, you've definitely got more than just a convenience model based on the larger implications for economic mobility and employability in our state. I spent a couple years um, working with a nonprofit out of Raleigh that that is now located in Wilmington, Greensboro, and in Durham. And for a period of time, we were uh, talking with a constellation of folks in that Rocky Mount area. And that was part of the conversation, essentially, is, you know, within these other areas, we people have fairly good accessibility. Yes. So um, there's people convening now in these spaces, as you're probably well aware, but you definitely need to get into those spaces. Absolutely. I'll just start off by saying our fund was created, you know, principally for high growth, what we call high growth with revenue, founders of color companies. I mean, you're not right at that stage for us at this time, but based on what Donald says, we want you got to get on our registry because we'll start looking at particular deals and we want to be sure you're on there. So I want to make sure you get this, okay. this card and, and follow up with me and I make sure you can get on the registry. Thank you. I love what you're doing. We invest in women, so... I'm sorry. Unfortunately, we're out. I'm excited that Donald is going to work with you because I, th- I think you're on to something big. Thank you. Yeah, we, 
So we focus on B2B software companies, and I think there is software that you're going to create, but there's a, there's a very, very heavy B2C component to this, yes. right, and how to yes. get consumers on. And, and so it wouldn't be a fit for our fund at Co-Founders Capital, but I think just the mindset from an institutional investor is I want to see those metrics, and I think, I think you're well-positioned to start tracking and provide those metrics to other investors that would invest in this kind of company if you can prove it out in one market. Thank you. Yeah, you just have to stay attached to Donald. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm, help you. I, I think there's a great marketing play in terms of where people's heads at in terms of creating equity for rural North Carolina and then our country in general. And then I think back to Tim's point, our goal is just to help you get ready. Yeah. Right. Because you have the idea and you have the hustle. Right. Because like yeah, big one time. thing he didn't say, and I'll sales pitch it a little bit. Right. Tell him about how you did market research riding the bus. So I went out to go Raleigh, go Curry, and rode the buses for like a month. Oh right? my God. Sat on the wow. bus and start talking to people. Hey, what's your experience like from your community to the bus? Yeah, that's what you- Most people and, can't wait to get off the bus. Right. right. But mm-hmm. but they were helping me develop an understanding how I can right. better support this. So this is one of the things when I say I know I understand the model because people are communicating that to me and helping me develop the model around their experiences. And not just me guessing. I wonder, you know, an algorithm say there's that many people living in there, 18 to 44, their income is like this. So I actually went to talk to people and that's how I kind of. And you were on the bus. And you were on the bus doing signing. it. So you, yeah, so you could actually experience it with them. Yeah. So out of 100 people, 69 people kind of gave me the gauge that we should be following. One of their biggest problems was how do we get from the community to the bus stop? That was one of the biggest problems they were having. Yeah, yeah start lived, there. I, I grew up so. in the Washington, D.C. area. Okay. And I hear a little bit of the twang in, in your <laughs> accent because you said you're from Baltimore. But the public yeah. transportation system has been my friend. Even in Durham, I chose to I chose to ride the buses once, but it, it, it did require – I live about two miles from a bus stop now. Okay. So I either got to ride my bike to the bus stop, which I yes. have done at times. Yes, but you haven't um, yet. Or so. yeah, I can really appreciate the need. And of course, when the light rail didn't get – get voted in in Durham, I knew the implications were going to be huge yes. around that. If you can get in these get in these spaces with these kind of economic decision-making as it relates to mobility and that there's a high volume of, of, of um, potential traction around that if you can continue to give that data to them. Stuff. Well, you got you got the right people helping you out. So. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yes. Thank you so much. I thank much. you guys for your time. Yeah, thank I you, appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks. Well, none of the investors are willing to put their money into WeMove just yet, but Dante is going to get some marketing help from Donald and the Walk West team because he has something special that could impact millions, but he needs to refine his messaging first. And as Dante left the pitch room at the university club, the investors seem to be even more excited about the future of WeMove. We've seen a trend of these kind of I need money just so I can prove this out. And it's like, I don't think you need money right now to prove this out. You're almost there. Like, you're doing a lot of what you need to show so that you can get the money. The people tell but, them they need money. Well, and they're, But they're thinking here. They're thinking yeah. of, how do I solve the North Carolina transportation issue? Solve it to get people from Smithfield to the bus stop. Solve that problem. Right. And, and then, with that and one then, yeah. shopping and that, center. And, tra- and track it. And yeah. track it. What and, are the metrics? It's, it's an iterative solution. Yeah. And like so I'm, one step like I, I'm super excited in that he was referred to me by someone that I loosely know. 
And I'm telling you, he must have called and emailed like seven or eight times. Like he would awesome. not, he would not allow himself to be ignored. But he's also creating jobs in these communities. Exactly. Right. And there's a, there's a, there's a lot of legs. There's a company called the Leaf Group that basically it's the fund from the big tobacco settlements. Right. Golden Leaf. Golden yeah, Leaf. Golden Leaf. Golden yeah, Leaf. Golden yeah. Leaf. Right. And but their whole charter, right, is rural economic development. He doesn't know they exist. Right, he thinks everything's just the red tape from the experience that he's had, and so that's our goal: is to try to get the pitch a little tighter, make some introductions. But to your point, which is a great one, let's figure out one use case and crush it. Thanks for listening to the Startup Stage podcast. We'll be back next week with another dream chaser looking for capital to take the next step in their business. For more information on the investors and entrepreneurs, visit StartupStagePodcast.com. Startup Stage is proudly produced by EarFluence with recordings and editing help from Joe Woolworth at Podcast Carry. Executive producer is Jason Gillikin. Editor is Molly Brock. Assistant producers are Jalen Hatton, Candace Kelly, and Cece Huffman. Special thanks to the University Club in Durham for hosting the recordings. Thank you to our sponsors, Helios, Innovate Capital Law, Lenovo, Startup Hats, WeWork, Fancy This Photography, and the University Club. I'm Sharon Delaney McLeod, and we'll see you next week on the Startup Stage Podcast.